Secretary of State Henry Kissinger once said, there cannot be a crisis next week. My schedule is already full. And perhaps we can relate to this sentiment. Calendars full of crises, challenges that seem insurmountable, stressors that feel as if they will break us. Our bodies, our families, our places of work, our church. Can we take one more thing? It is into this real world that we launch the series, God's Kitchen, Ingredients for a Healthy Soul. Two weeks ago, we looked at simply being, exploring the juxtaposition of those disciples amid a storm, stressed by the tempest. But then you have Jesus asleep, trusting his heavenly Father and inviting us no matter the hell that we are going through, to shift our thinking from the pain and from the winds of strife and to simply rest sweetly in the arms of our Heavenly Father. May we float or may we sink. We shall trust our God. And today we pick up on this theme, thinking about what it means to listen to the sweet voice of Jesus, the Word of God. Six sounds. Mark chapter 4 and verse 3, Jesus teaches us. Listen. A father went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This parable bracketed by an invitation to listen, that we might have ears to hear the voice of Jesus, the Word of God. The first sound that we hear from Jesus' lips, God desires conversation with us. It is true. We add a second sound to this. Uh, we desire conversation with God. Jesus makes this point in a provocative way. Verse 10, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? 
Jesus seems to act as if that some are not intended to hear his voice. But scholars tell us that in fact Christ is employing something known as prophetic um, urgency, uh, a sense of prophetic jealousy in his hearer. I know that my parents on many occasions as I was growing up would say things like, I don't think Alex is capable of cleaning his room and getting the cookie in the kitchen. Now, what, of course, was their strategy? It was an attempt to prod me, to remind me that, in fact, I could clean my room and get the cookie. There was a technique involved. In this verse, Jesus is, in fact, quoting the great prophet Isaiah, who utilizes the same technique, saying to people, oh, it's not possible that you can taste the sweet secret of God that's in the kitchen. By no means is Jesus suggesting that some are capable of hearing and others are not, but rather through this technique, he's prodding us. He's teasing us. He's challenging us to awaken that latent desire to hear his word. The first sound, God desires conversation with us. The second sound, we desire conversation with God. Sound number three, God doesn't force communion. Verse 14, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Apparently, the voice of Jesus can be easily dismissed. The word of God can be taken without much effort. But why? I think I found a clue on Facebook a few days ago. I gained permission to share um, our sister Amy Dietrich's post. Here it is. At the top, uh, she says, hoping for puppies. But if you look closely, and let's circle those faces, they don't look too happy about this whole enterprise, do they? And I replied to Amy, you can't force love. You cannot force love. A reprise of an observation of C.S. Lewis that we took a look at in greater measure five weeks ago from the Screwtape Letters. You must often have wondered, he writes, why the enemy, that is God, does not make more use of his power to be sensibly present to human souls in any degree he chooses and at any moment. But you now see that the irresistible and the indisputable are the two weapons which the very nature of his scheme forbids him to use merely to override a human will as his felt presence in any but the faintest and most mitigated degree would certainly do would be for him useless. He cannot ravish. He can only woo. You cannot force love. Sound number one, God desires conversation with us. Sound two, we desire conversation with God. Sound three, God doesn't force communion. But, sound four, God does desire deep 
communion. Notice verse 16. Others, Jesus says, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Why is it that there is difficulty, persecution, for those who listen to the voice of Jesus, to the Word of God? I suspect it's because God has pretty significant intent, the implications of our hearing. Perhaps we can think of it this way over Christmas. When I was visiting my parents. I noticed something about their back door and so I took a picture of it. Here it is. Scratches. In fact, about 14 years of scratches from their dog. The dog saying, oh, let me in the house, let me in the house, let me in the house. And as I was looking at that door, there's a verse of Scripture I thought of. Do you know what it is? Revelation chapter 3 in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and scratch. <laughs> I scratch and I scratch. And anyone who would open that door, oh, I will come in and I will eat with you and I will be with you and I will participate in conversation with you. You see, my brothers and sisters, I think this is why there can be persecution and difficulty. For God does not simply wish to stay in the backyard barking away that we might occasionally hear a word of wisdom or counsel or something that cheers us up. But rather the purpose of the sweet voice of Jesus, of the Word of God, that He might enter in, into our lives, into the very living room and kitchen of our souls. And everything changes. And the way that we handle our finances changes. And the decisions we make with our bodies, it changes. And the way that we communicate with one another and particularly with our enemies changes. You see, to hear the voice of Jesus is to invite Him to come in. Oh no, our God shall not remain happily in the backyard, but rather wishes to be in the very heart of our being. And this dramatically changes everything and puts us at odds with the world that we live in. And so there can be difficulty. Sound number one, God desires conversation with us. Sound two, we desire conversation with God. Yes, we do. Sound three, God doesn't force communion, but nonetheless, He desires deep communion. Sound five, communion with God demands priority. Notice verse 18. Jesus says, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Apparently, you see, we live in a world of noise. 
It seems that there are many voices, a plethora of conversations. It is easy for other things to crowd out communion with God. Maybe we could think of it this way. I'm going to out him publicly, so here it goes. I have a brother by the name of David who is 20 months my junior. I have been inviting him to come out and visit me in Walla Walla now for nearly seven years. I try to describe for him the glories of the great Pacific Northwest, how it is the, simply the greatest of all of the Garden of Edens on the planet. I have elucidated the glories of the city of Seattle and Portland and the wonders of the valley of Walla Walla. I have offered to pay for a ticket for him to fly out. I have wished to entice him in all four seasons in every circumstance, but he always says, oh, Alex, I'm just too busy. I'm too busy, and he is a father, a hard worker. He has a lot going on, but it doesn't matter my strategy. I cannot come get him to come out here and visit me. And so it was with some um, chagrin and perhaps a little disdain that a week and a half ago he told me something. Now, my brother's done some very uh, interesting things in life. He has interviewed former President Jimmy Carter. In fact, every time I go home, I get to look at the refrigerator where my mom has posted this picture of my brother and Jimmy Carter. Not only that, and some of you will know this name, my brother sat at a Little League baseball game conversing with the Hall of Fame baseball pitcher Greg Maddox because my brother's son and Greg Maddox's son were both playing in the same Little League. So he kind of has this going. Well, a week and a half ago, uh, I learned that through a friend, he's acquired a ticket to sit right at the front of the latest um, Republican uh, debate in Charleston. And it wouldn't have mattered whether it was the Democrats or Republicans, but to go to an event like that, and so I learned that he gets to go. And sure enough, he commits and he drives all the way from Atlanta to Charleston, six hours, clears his schedule, attends the event all the way back, clears a whole nother day. And meanwhile, he starts to, to, to um, send me all these pictures on, on uh, the phone. So here I am, Alex. Look, I'm all, I'm all these famous people. I'm in the green room. I'm in the spin room. Here I am, this close to all these famous people. And then he sends his picture, of course. And um, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. All of a sudden, your schedule clears. You can wipe out two days of life and drive uh, all day long and stay up late for people you don't even know. And it doesn't matter what I do. I pave the way and you can't come see me. But isn't there a lesson in this? To spend quality time in the presence of important people to us means that we often must drop everything. And this is so true of God. Oh, we say to one another, I know it comes from my lips. I'm so busy. I've got so much going on. I lament that I don't 
have more time to listen to God. I wish I had more time just to sit and read the Scriptures, more time to pray or to sing a hymn on my own time. Oh, I wish I could carve out some moments of silence. Oh, I wish I had a season where I could just meditate and contemplate on the wonders of Jesus Christ. Oh, if I wasn't so busy. One day, we say, one day when circumstances change, one day when the season will slow, there will be a moment, I'm sure of it, when I'm an empty nester, when this problem goes away or that, then I will be able to have that time to hear the voice of God. Oh, my spiritual family, let me tell you, that tomorrow will never come. There will never be a season. There will never be a moment. Jesus says as much. It is so easy for other voices, other conversations, the noise of the world, and yes, sometimes the noise of our own religion to crowd out the priority, which is sweet, quiet, intentional time with God. Sounds first. Jesus says, oh, don't you forget it. God desires conversation with us. Oh, it's true. We desire conversation with Him. God doesn't force communication, for love cannot be forced. God desires, however, deep communion which has implications. Communion with God most certainly demands priority. And a sixth sound, communion with God, is abundance. Notice verse 20. Others, Jesus says, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was so. Hearing the God, hearing the voice of God does wonders in our spirit. And I think that we too quickly move in this passage to this place. Oh, if I hear from Jesus, then I will go be really productive for the kingdom of God. I think we jump too quickly, those of us with a good spiritual work ethic. I think much more what Jesus is enticing us to is the rich, loving relationship that can blossom in the soil of our hearts if we will only open ourselves up to the tender whispers of our heavenly parent. Maybe this reflection would help. I did some research this week because I knew that the subject was listening, hearing. So I wondered, what are the world's greatest animals in terms of their ability to listen? So I looked at some different uh, reputable places, and I'll just give you the top eight. How about that? Number eight, the owl. There are certain owls that are very good listeners. Frequencies that they can hear and how far away they can listen to things. Uh, Number seven, the dog. Number six, the cat. Number five, the elephant. They should be able to with those ears, I think. (laughs) Number four, the dolphin. Number three, the bat. 
Number two, surprisingly, the moth. Certain moths that can hear very, very well. But do you know what uh, number one is? The number one here? Here you go. Yes, that's my mother, actually. Um, <laughs> my own mother. <laughs> and, it, and it could be your mother as well. My brothers and I, I, I mean, my mom, it didn't matter. what If we were messing around doing something we weren't supposed to, she could hear it. We could be on the other end of the house whispering, and it's like she knew. We could be four miles away, like hitting each other, and, and she heard it. It did not matter, the, the hearing of a mother. But also a different kind of hearing as well. We'll have a group of people over to our house, and maybe 15 to 20 kids are in our basement playing, and all the adults are upstairs. And all of a sudden, it's almost always a mother. And she'll say, I, I, I hear something. I can hear the cry of my child. Somehow a mother can detect that specific frequency, that tone. I, I can hear that my child is suffering amid all the other noise. And sure enough, man, there's something about the hearing of a mother, of a good mother. Why is that the case? How is it that good moms can hear so well? I think the theologian Paul Tillich is on to it, but I'd like to amend what he has to say. Tillich writes, the first duty of love is to listen. I would modulate this just a touch and say, the first natural response of incredible love is the ability to listen in incredible ways. The love of a good mother, the love of a good God, our love for Jesus, as we love something well, it is so natural that we develop the ability to hear the affection before us. Henry Nouwen, in his remarkable book, Here and Now, Living in the Spirit, ask some questions. Why is it so difficult to be still and quiet and let God speak to me about the meaning of my life? Is it because I don't trust God? Is it because I don't know God? Is it because I wonder if God really is there for me? Is it because I'm afraid of God? Is it because everything else is more real for me than God? Is it because deep down I do not believe that God cares what happens to me? Still, he writes, there is a voice. Come to me. You who labor and are overburdened, and I will give you rest. Shoulder my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Yes, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can I trust that voice and follow it? 
It is not a very loud voice, and often it is drowned out by the clamor of life. Still, when I listen attentively, I will hear that voice again and again and come to recognize it as the voice speaking to the deepest places of my heart. And now together, we experience communion. Communion with one another, but most importantly, communion with God. And I wonder, in this busy, noisy world, if on this sacred ground, we might come forward, taking the emblems, in quiet. Yes, a child will cry out. Yes, a cell phone will act out. Yes, someone will cough or sneeze. But what if we just stopped and quietly came forward listening with the focal point of this wonderful piece of artwork in front of us, where Jesus is depicted not only as the sovereign reigning above it all, but also Jesus who is among us, speaking to us, wishing to heal us in the trauma and the challenge of our lives. If someone near you needs a little bit of help, please take the emblems back to your pew to them. But Jesus, I think, invites us today to just take these moments in a quiet sanctuary, listening to his voice. Let us commune with him together now.